0: and welcome back to another episode of the build shop podcast i am one half of your hosting crew ryan rath and i'd like to welcome my co-host to the show mike how's it going
1: today i'm good i'm uh unfortunately we're both sitting in some uh some snowy weather right now hopefully uh hopefully this stuff melts and the course can dry up before saturday i've got a well i wouldn't say i have a tea time because we're finally back to no tea times but i have uh I'm My presence is wanted by at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So looking forward to hopefully playing some golf. That's a great
0: early spring springtime tea time. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not too early. You got to bundle up, but it still gives you time to get in 36. I like that. That's a good call. But uh, yes, to those who are are just tuning in, well, you're just doing this at the beginning of the show. But uh, yes, we in Southern Ontario have gotten that storm that has gone across most of the United States at this point, And we have just gotten more snow on April 18th, which, you know, two weeks ago, we were looking to book some outdoor golf and, and show off some, some golf outside here. And uh, unfortunately that got canceled and I'm I'm glad we canceled it. Cause that would have been an absolute
1: nightmare today. I was just going to say, I feel like we were supposed to be playing golf today for the channel, but, uh, that is uh, wow. Good thing. We didn't go out there and play.
0: I'm glad we pivoted. So we pivoted, we're inside, just like uh, we are right now talking to each other. And there, there's a lot to talk about, even though, you know, post everyone's kind of getting over that, that first major hangover and everything like that. Uh, most people are geared up for the season. Usually the masters is the kickoff. Normally it is for us here as well. But uh, although it did come a week later than I think a lot of people would have liked, Jordan Spieth did win again uh, at the RBC Heritage. And did you watch it, Mike? Did you see like, it almost felt like nobody wanted to win it because there wasn't, you know, they're the best players in the world. And obviously anyone who won or was near the lead was playing the best golf, but it didn't seem like anyone really wanted to get out and take it. No one birdied the last part five. And there's a lot of mistakes going down the stretch.
1: I'm sure everyone in that field wanted it, but you're right. It looked, uh, you know, just kept going back and forth between players. Uh, I thought that Eric van royen I don't know how you say your last name. Sorry. Um, his, uh, I really thought he had a good chance. Uh, really, really good player, obviously. Um, Shane looked amazing, uh, but cool. I mean, on a Sunday, Spieth comes three back to win it in a playoff. Unfortunately, Cantley got pooched with a with a fried egg. Um, but an interesting call. I mean, it was very. It was. I guess it was kind of windy and coming up short on that hole. I mean, to me, from what I could see on TV, it looks like there was room behind the uh, behind the green. So interesting. They were really going for you know playing that front side of the green but uh i mean i'm always been a speed fan um you know i feel like i grew grew up watching speed grew up watching Ricky so to see uh to see speed get it done was pretty cool
0: yeah it was I, I think there was definitely like a tactical mistake made by cantley especially after speed hit it into the bunker and the other thing too like cantley had probably two two clubs less into the green so you know you have to factor in the wind obviously but if you watch one of our recent videos, we talked about that. But to to know that you had so much space behind to see your competitor come up short it was kind of shocking. Like yeah, he won with a par, which is fine. Like speed one with a par hit the great bunker shot, and he has a propensity for holding bunker shots, it seems like all the time, anyways. But it just seemed like a tactical mistake. And I don't know, maybe in the heat of the moment, you're you're just trying to think hit it close. You've got a, a shorter iron into the green. But for me, it feels like hit towards the middle pot towards the corners, right? It's that old classic kind of phrase, but maybe it's short iron green light and just came up a little bit short. It was, but that Friday definitely was not, uh, not helpful.
1: No, no, definitely. fried eggs are good at breakfast, but not in the playoff. And we saw Shane, Shane
0: Lowry. I thought probably had the best chance coming in over and over again. And then he had to hold a bunker shot. Didn't quite get it, get it in either. But overall, I think, and and for those who haven't had a chance to check this out yet. Uh, so Johnny wonder, he happened to be uh, on the live today on our, on our YouTube channel. So you can go check out the conversation. It was a lot of fun. A lot of great questions came in during the, during the live. And he was down there earlier in the week at the RBC. And he said like, you can hit 14 fairways off the tee, but you can still miss 18 greens because of, or, you know, 14 greens in the, the holes, whatever, but you can still miss all those greens because they're very small and it's a very claustrophobic tight golf course. Mm-hmm even off the wind, once off the tee, it's still hard. Cause you could be in the fairway and you have to curve it around a tree or something like that. And, you know, it is an interesting, I always like the tournament. I like the tournament. I like the course. I think it's kind of fun to just watch players have to hit shots. does it force them to a little bit. Yes. But it, it brings out the thinker and we saw that we saw a mixed leaderboard of players up there. And at the end of the day, you have two, two like very hot players in the world up there battling for. It. And I think that that's one of the best things to showcase a golf course.
1: I think, uh, well, I was chatting with, uh, with Scott Couch on the weekend and we were watching a little bit of the golf together for about 10 minutes. And, you know, we were looking up stats, Shane Lowry's stats this week. Well, in the last couple of weeks in his wedge game have been insane. And man, oh man, can he hit some nasty little pitch shots and chip shots that, check up really quickly whether he's hitting it out at, at a pine straw or you know wood chips or off some really really gnarly kind of thin Bermuda shots he hit some really really lovely shots uh during the week and um yeah his short game was super super impressive the man
0: knows how to work a
1: wedge percent.
0: if he's if he's playing like the way he has been recently he was you know he's in contention at Augusta Playing recently in general, obviously well, fairly well at uh, the RBC to be near the top of the leaderboard. He has to be a good solid pick if there's any amount of wind at the Open this year. You know, there's you know we're getting not close to it yet, but if players are staying in form like we've seen, kind of building up those top finishes, building up those top finishes, he has to be up there. Like I think, I just you know he's going to be in my top five of picks. He might not be my first pick, but you know, if, if you play the the D, whatever it is, if you play fantasy sports, I don't even know the short term for it, but he's doing a great pick. And I think the rest of this year is going to be really good for him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Now, now speaking
0: of players and hot streaks, uh, this week on the PGA tour is the Zurich and it, what makes it really cool and what makes it unique on the schedule is it is a team event last year. It was, team we'll call it president's cup i don't oh, i guess they're both on the president's cup so that doesn't work so you had uh you had cameron smith mr mullet along with mark leishman against uh it was charles schwartzel of all people who played well at this year's masters and louis eustazen and it ended kind of abruptly when i think it was the second playoff hole louis blasted one so far out into the water it was an unbelievably it was a majestic block uh, of all blocks but uh you know this year, two of the teams that I think are big standouts so far, one is Ryan Palmer and Scotty Scheffler. Ryan Palmer, if he has any you know, career after golf, it's clearly identifying talent and bringing it in onto his team because he has played with Rom in the past. I believe he has played with Spieth in the past, and he has also played now with Scotty Scheffler, who is the number one player in the world. So this man knows how to recruit a partner. And the other team that definitely sticks out is Morikawa and Victor Hovland. Which I think, you know, if, if I'm going into it, other than obviously Scheffler, they're my favorite. Mike, is there anyone else that stands out, or is that kind of your, your thinking too? I
1: mean, obviously, the two Texas boys, Palmer and uh, Scheffler, there must be something there. They obviously made these teams call it, you know, nine months ago. Um, so, you know, Ryan Palmer sure, is, sure as hell knows how to pick a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I would, I'd love to. It'd almost be hilarious if Scheffler and Palmer won. just, just added to the list for, for Scheffler this year. I think to see him win again would be, would be really, really cool.
0: It's pretty insane. And I think what I really like about it is the form they do play different formats throughout the week, which I think is, you know, not that it's more obviously you're watching pros, but from a relatability standpoint, you're playing different forms of golf that you would generally play with a foursome when you're out playing with your buddies and I think yeah. that if anything to give them credit is the fact that they're willing to change this up because week to week on the PGA tour, I think this is where we're seeing competitive leaves, leagues come in and really create some disruption in this and potential disruption is the fact that it's 72 stroke whole stroke play every single week. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's no mixed events. There's, there's really nothing that is within the actual league structure that is creating something that's a little bit more interesting. And if you credit to Zurich as well, like the turn the, the people, the organization that runs the spot, like runs the tournament, they are the ones that decided like, we need to try something different. We need to recruit players. At one point they were sponsoring players like Justin Rose. So he had the Zurich on the hat or on the sleeve or something like that. You know, now he's I'm Morgan Stanley. So he's Morgan Stanley, now. whatever big logo on the front of his hat. But they had different ways of getting players there and now bringing something a little bit of fun. Like, did you think that, would you say that five years ago, although I think both these guys weren't on tour at the time, Morikow and hoblin would be playing in the Zurich? Probably not a couple weeks after the Masters. But now that it's a team event, it brings in a different element. Not to me. I want more in that in golf. I don't know about you, Mike. Love to hear your opinion on this. I am waiting and I can't wait for the day that they have an actual built into the schedule, men's and women's mixed event Think they could do it with the um, the tournament of champions? Just if even if they play in the same group, right? And it was separate tournaments, but they need to do something. They need to bring it together because we see it in tennis, which is a good example. But I'd love to see it in in golf.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a I'm a stroke stroke play fan. I I love the tradition of the game. Uh, you know, match plays great uh, in Ryder Cup or you know Dell Match Play. Um, yeah, I, I think this it's nice to see this format once in a while. It's like the, you know, your favorite hole in golf, the 16th hole. It's nice to see once in a while. I wouldn't want to see it more than once. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, um, a mixed event, uh, men and women would be, uh, would be really cool. Um, I was looking through the pairings there. Um, Adam Hadwin and Adam Svensson, Svensson played really well the beginning of the year. Hadwin's had some good finishes the last couple weeks are they gonna win this week i don't know but i'm gonna i'm gonna take hadwin and uh spenson i like that little team canada action there spenson was
0: on a bit of a heater in the the beginning of this year well he was Uh, like he was
1: i think on the leaderboard thursday friday of the sony um or thursday friday saturday and then he he was almost in first at one point and he just he had a little bit of a stinker on sunday but he was uh, he was really, really close. There are some, some names in this event at the uh, Zerk that I've never even heard of. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going with Team Canada for my pick there.
0: Well, I do know that probably the, the oddest group, and the only reason I know this is because I was just reading an article about uh, players signing up for release to go play the event in London this coming summer for the Alternative League. We'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, Tommy Ganey and Robert Garagas. <laughs>
1: Tommy so, Ganey, he's out of prison yeah i guess so
0: <laughs> you know um i don't know maybe maybe he has to check in with somebody uh when he gets into the state i don't know i'm not really sure how that works but uh yeah that's that's probably the most unusually outstanding group that i could i could pull out of the the group that's playing this week but i, I definitely think with the number of top end talent that's partnering together i think it's, it is going to be a shootout i think set, last year sunday was really fun to watch and i think this year again, it's gonna be because I think Sunday, Sunday's alternate shot as well. So going back and forth when they do, you know, player miss a shot. That to me is really interesting. I'm I haven't played alternate shot in a long time. I'm excited. I'm playing an event this fall, I guess, or like late summer, which I'm really excited about. And to be able to do a a best ball and then also alternate shot in the same day, I'm really excited for it because I haven't done it in a long time. And I think because it is an organized event, a lot of people want to play stroke play when you go out and play with your buddies. To be able to do something a little different, just for fun, I think I'm. It's fun to see, and it's fun to watch, and it's fun to participate. And I'm all for changing up once in a while. Definitely. What's your go-to game when you're out? So, do you got any game schedules for this Saturday, Mike? Anything, or just is it you're just playing stroke play? Going to check it out.
1: No, I think there's. Uh, I would imagine the boys want to play probably a game of wolf, where every few holes we switch partners. Um, I don't I think it's too early in the season. Sometimes uh me and as some of the pros in the club or uh some other guys I've played with, we play like uh, you know, anywhere from a five dollar to a twenty dollar Nassau game. And then we'll also play um like five dollars five dollar to ten dollar um, bogeys or something like that. So um you really gotta grind over those par putts and and make sure you're making them or it's you know five dollar bogeys and for some, those can rack up really, really quickly. And it's, it's a bit of stress, but it's good fun. But I think we'll, I think we'll do a game of Wolf on Saturday.
0: Okay. So ex- explain this to me really quick. Cause I'm trying to understand here.
1: So, so with play, the bogeys
0: thing, it, it all goes into a pot and then low score gets the, the pot or how's that work?
1: So basically you're playing against each other. So four of us are playing against each other. Um, it's, it's basically stroke play. Um, And if you've got like a, a 10 footer for par, um, it doesn't cost you anything. You got to make that. If you're, if you make the bogey putt, it's $5 and then obviously it goes up from there. So $10 for doubles and $15 for triples. I've never seen someone make a triple on the golf course while putting. That's, uh, I've seen triples made the other way, but, uh, yeah, it just, we just add money to the, to the high putts more than anything, just to put a bit of pressure on it
0: okay. See, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I know like one of my, one of the games I always used to play would be similar to like the Nassau, but it would just be, um, almost like it's kind of like a skins game, but it's not where basically you'd always just say like $5 birdies, uh, $10 Eagles. And then the joke was always like hundred dollar hole in ones or something like that. Um, and then you play close to the pins as well. So by the end of it, you know, 20 to 25 bucks kind of changes hands, generally speaking which is always fun just enough to like, you know, you hit one really close on a, on a an approach shot and you're like, well, this is actually worth the money from my, my playing partners. If I actually make it. So then you get, a, there's that little bit of pressure on the birdie putts versus the bogeys, but uh, no, it's always fun. I think uh, that's where I like the idea of, you know, using, for example, using Arcos is great for like tracking score. There's a lot of times I go out and I'm like, I'm just picking stuff up if I'm playing against my friends or something like that. So it's, it's like I'm I sit on both sides of the fence because I want to be able to track my my handicap at certain things, but then there's other times where it's like you know it's it's kind of fun to grind out those uh, those games once in a while. Um, yeah now now another kind of topic that we we haven't really touched on too too much is you know we oh, oh, touch on it a little bit, but I, I can I, I want to clarify this because it's a question that I've gotten recently and I want to you know get your opinion on it is like when it comes to wedges, wedges and balance, Obviously, a, a big conversation. I always send people to our Voki wedge grind matrix. But for you, like, is that your, is Voki kind of like your baseline? And then you kind of help people dive into like the different grinds because they all kind of fit a general term. Or do you think there's a huge difference from the, the shit, not necessarily the shape of souls, but like the matrix that are offered by the OEMs to you? Like, how would that work when it comes to like, I like this wedge, but how would it compare to this wedge from the other OEM? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean,
1: look, I heard one of our fitters say it on the weekend, and, and I actually said it to a customer. There's a lot of times where if I'm looking for something between a different brand, and I will say a lot of the other brands are getting better at offering more bounce and grind options, but Vokey really does offer the most bounce and grind options. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a very classic wedge, um, nothing too flashy everyone kind of knows the name, whether it's someone new to golf, that they've seen a Volky. Um, but yeah, I would use the Vokey wedge tricks to, to really dive into that. And if, if I need to, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm saying to a customer, Hey, if you trust me, you know, I'd like to add this crime to your wedge. If, if, you know, they're adamant in playing, uh, a, a tailor or a Callaway or a, a Cleveland. Um, so Yes, I will use the Voki wedge matrix to definitely dial them in a little bit more.
0: For me, it's it's the idea of, and I always like this the way the way this is phrased, and I, I believe it was I think I heard it from Ian at one point. Um, is there's a certain point where like we're here to help you when it comes to information, but there's also a point where you know you have to take some ownership in your own golf game, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the education side of of when people are looking at certain things. I do this when it comes to things that are outside of golf, like tools or, um, like I I would say I'm a very recreational snowboarder as people who follow me on Instagram know that I like baking pizza. (laughs) And so I, I try and do my, as much as I can try and absorb it and then put it into my own kind of idea of what's going to work for me. Have it be buying a specific tool for a certain price or just, you know, buying flour for pizza or trying something new as far as the process is concerned, but it is the, the baseline for the Voki video, which is why we did it, which is why I keep sending people to it, is you can apply a lot of that. If you're just looking at the descriptions of the grinds, and I think a lot of OEMs do a really good job explaining this, if you're looking for a comparison and we talked about the Vokis, obviously to a very much a deep ex- extent, then you can apply a lot of that to other things. And I think that's one of those those ideas where it's just, you know if you dig in a little deeper, you're probably gonna find your answer. And then the only other thing is, looking at what maybe from an eye test perspective, what's going to work for you, something like the big foot, big toe from TaylorMade or the full face from Cleveland or Callaway or the the ES grind from Ping, which is obviously extremely different, right? When it comes to the the offset and the look and all those things, I got to say, don't get me wrong, I'm a big Vokey fan um, as well as friends of like (laughs) the Mizuno wedges and a whole bunch of others. But looking at the ES60, that the glide four, gosh, that's a good looking wedge, Mike.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the ES is definitely a different look to it. It's doesn't suit my eye as much. I'm a very traditional, kind of smaller shaped, uh, long hosel, no offset kind of thing, but uh, I, I know what you mean. I to be honest with you, the original, like, or I guess that original eye sole, I've never really toyed around with it, but uh, I have seen the the ES stuff and definitely like the look of this one you know the glide 4.0 for sure
0: i still have a glide 2.0 it's like the the black finish one in the Isol. it's i think it's a 58 degree and love it like i guess again we switch because we switch sometimes like let's be very frank about that but i could still easily put that in the bag and and love using it and I always like looking at when you go back and look at the old school bags, and you can. It's hard to find a lot of this stuff now. Like some of the old "What's in the Bag" pictures from like Golf Digest or like the old Golf Magazine or Golf Illustrated or whatever. Like, or even on online, you can sometimes find like pictures from Getty or things like that. But you'd see these players with. Uh, I have a guy from Scotland who's kind of the same way. Not yet, but he was like, "Oh yeah, everyone like being in Europe. Everyone had Wilson." Blades, like growing up, I was a junior. He's probably like around. I would say he's close to fifty now. He's like everyone played Wilson blades. Very little offset, very sharp leading edge. And you get to the wedges, and it would be like, I two sand wedge, I two lob wedge. That's just the way it was. You'd have these these blades all the way through, and then you have these high offset wedges. And it's funny how that just kind of worked its way into the way a wedge worked. And there was a picture this week. Uh, It was a pretty deep dive. It was pretty cool, actually, little little piece from uh, Golf WRX on the prototype off, like huge offset wedge from it's like an old 900 wedge that Jim Furyk was using. Did you see, did you happen to see that
1: wedge? I saw that. That is, uh, it was crazy, but you're, uh, you're like,
0: you're stuck you're, you're, you're stuck for words, Mike. I know it's,
1: I want to say it's just ugly. <laughs> it, it definitely is ugly, but it's, uh, there's, you know, Jim Furyk has been around for a long time. He's definitely thinking of why he needs that. And there's a reason for it. It's uh, it's just cool to see. It really is cool to see. I like. I even almost hate to say it because I don't love offset, but it is cool to see.
0: I think like one of the things that if, you, if, if you're listening out there and you happen to have an I2 wedge or you happen to see, like even if it's an old one, right? The thing that I always tell people is if you start opening it up and you hold it up, Start rotating the face open a little bit. I think on no this is the TXG YouTube or TXG channel on like an old, 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 super old YouTube video I did. Um, I I found like one of these wedges and I open it up, and you can see where the hosel gets very thin from the the hosel to that, like the leading edge and into the sole of the wedge. As you open it up, you realize how thin that little transition gets, and that's part of why. You're, it's almost like, remember the face forward, the F2 wedges that like mm-hmm. the commercial wedge. It's almost yep. like that because once you open it up so far, you completely remove the, the hosel transition to the sole, and the sole becomes a lot co- more compact. So it's easier to get under the ball. Now, does everyone did want to hit that shot or want to look at a club like that? No, but it does serve a purpose, which I always think is like from an engineering perspective, the most fascinating part of the short game.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the beauty thing with it is, um, just clean lines. I'm, I'm big on clean lines for, for wedges. Um, my artisans have them. I, I try to get my, my Vokies to be as clean as possible. Uh, but the cleaner it is, the less distracting. And for me, it just more of a point and shoot, uh, mentality.
0: And this applies to irons as well, uh, less so in, in modern irons because of the way the hosel transitions only other than again, ping, They did in the I3 series introduce the notch in the the hosel, and that serves two purposes. One is to make bending golf clubs easier because it does Mm -hmm. thin out that section, but it also improves turf interaction because you've reduced that smaller part of the sole, just like the notch sole of, say, something like the Strixon ZX series, and they've had it in in a number of their series now where you kind of have that square portion of the sole, which really helps reduce interaction. But if you go back and look at some of the old Hogan irons, they have what's called like a swept up hosel. Now, it's hard to describe because this is an audio medium, but if you go check out Jeff Sheets, I think it's jeffsheets.com or just Jeff Sheets, his website, his design website, he talks about how they used to design a lot of the old Hogan stuff. And it's very cool because the hosel kind of goes up and then it sweeps over. So the way it was almost, you can't tell from a address, but it's the way that they help locate the center of gravity and also help reduce and improve turf interaction which to me is like the most fascinating part, because even back then they realized that there was this way to improve and to put golf clubs together. And I see it in like one of the old sets of apex that I have, which I love. And that's why I just like old golf. So I like golf clubs in general, because much like someone might look at a car or a pair of shoes or a purse or a piece of jewelry or a watch. I know Mike, you're a big fan of watches. They all kind of functionally do the same thing. But how they go about doing it is probably the most fascinating element of it, especially let's say watches or you know it's things we like F1 cars.
1: Yeah, per, I mean precision is going to be equal the best performance, right? And we see, I mean, if you want to take the F1 conversation, it's
0: very it's very interesting because they you know they talk about how the the floors and the the ground force and you have the it's hard to say that like one team other than you know budgetary wise or total R and D from a development side, of, let's say cars has like a huge, a much bigger budget because, you know, they kind of capped it. We'll see what that actually means as far as like real value is, but Mm -hmm. wind tunnel testing and all these different things, they all have access to like what the 3d models and all this stuff means. But at the end of it, once you get it onto the track, just like once you can design something in CAD and get it out to the golf course and get it into the ground, what happens and what happens functionally can be very different. And that to me is where the, the brains behind everything that goes into a design actually creates functionality. And you see it yourself, right, Mike? How many times can you try like something that you should work as a wedge grind? And you take it out there, and it just doesn't.
1: Boy, I mean, last summer, as you know, I was on the hunt for a sixty degree. I just uh, I love a sixty degree, and always been looking for something uh, to work a certain way, and, and had to use the the red line to uh, to the president, uh, Mr. Aaron Dill, to kind of pick his brain on a couple things. But yeah, there's been multiple times I've taken wedge heads to a grinder thinking okay this is this is the one and and it's still not the right kind of way i'm looking for the wedge to go through the turf or react to i've got some at my home club i've got some really tight lies around the greens what we call surrounds it's um you need something that can lie really tight to it and yeah it's it's definitely taken me a while to to find what i uh what i like regardless of all the the ability I have and all the resources I have it, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit extra precision and tooling to really get you that, that perfect club.
0: Now, now when it comes to that, Mike, how, cause I'm curious to like pick your brain on this. Cause I feel like, you know, this is insight that the listener will hopefully get a kick out of is how long does it take for you to hit something to know that either it's, it's good or it's, it's less than ideal because I think some players they would go out and they say, Oh, they buy a new golf club and like, Oh yeah, it should work. And then maybe, maybe there is truly an adjustment period where on other sides of things, someone might get something and they're like, no, I just know right away. This isn't working. Do you have that right away moment? Or is it something where, you know, you get faced with a particular shot and then you realize maybe this isn't the right one for me.
1: Yeah. I would say with what, if, you know, we're going to talk wedges here. um, You know, we all know I I love a wedge and I've, you know, I've hit, probably 99% of the major manufacturer wedges plus some, you know, some smaller brand stuff. Um, From the tinkering that I've done, I would say, you know, if I'm going to put a wedge in the bag after two, three holes, it'll, it'll tell me if it's going to survive or not. Um, Now that's again, gearing more towards a 60. I use a 60, where some people shouldn't be using sixties and I'm not bragging. It's just, maybe it's a, a stupid thing to do. I know many times playing with Ian or some other guys, they're like, put your 60 away. Um, cause I do like to use it way too much. So yeah, I would say within a round, I could, I could tell you if it's going to stay in the bag or not. Um, or, you know, I've even walked up the ninth fairway at my golf course with, with my Sharpie out of my bag, drawing on the hot, drawing on the soul of what I want to do with it, taking a photo of it, using it for the rest of the round, redrawing it with a Sharpie and then taking it to work the next day and, and buzzing something off the, the heel or the, or, you know, creating that, you know, leading edge to be a little bit tighter to the turf. Um, but yeah, I would say within one round, I can tell if something's going to last or not.
0: Now, does that, does that same philosophy? Now I'm going to play interrogation here now, Mike, because I'm really curious on this is, does that same philosophy, does that same feel apply to the sand wedge and say a 50 degree or whatever happens to be your gap wedge loft? Does that same thing apply or does it reduce or does it increase more as you get into the higher lofted wedge, like the 60?
1: I would say definitely. Yeah, it definitely still applies. I would say for a 50, I use a 50, a 54 and a 58 bent to 55 and 59. Um, I really believe that the 50 for me is point and shoot. Um very rarely am I hitting bump and run shots or little low skipping shots. I would again rather use a 56 or 60. Um so I would say the 50 for me point and shoot very similar to irons point and shoot as long as they work. That's that's good to go. 56 again, I really I'll, I'll open the face up a little bit. Um I'll use it out of bunkers Kind of, but again, sixty is my go-to, um, and then the sixty for me, I do have. I would say my feel for a sixty or something around the greens with this type of club, I do better than some other people. Um, maybe at you know my handicap is just because I've I've worked you know I've always had to try to have a good short game. Um, so the sixty definitely takes a little bit more time to make sure that the you know the art is perfect with uh, with making sure the wedge is bang on.
0: Well, thank you for entertaining me, Mike, because that's, I was, I was really curious on your, on how that works for you, because I know for a lot of players, a 60 example for myself is something that I, I mess around with, but I can kind of, I feel like if I'm in the right ballpark for grinds, there's only so many shots I hit with it. Cause it is a club that I really only hit in the short game, but the one club that has had eluded me for the longest time, I don't know if it was a distance thing which I think this is going to bleed into like the next kind of question I want to ask you or clubs I want to talk about. But the 50 degree for me was something where, you know, on a full shot, I liked chipping with it. I, I chip with it a lot. I like the bump and run. I don't practice too much. You know, dad, you know, like dad guy doesn't like to practice too much, which is maybe it's just laziness or time or whatever it happens to be. But I started getting used to chipping with the 50. So I wanted that versatility and I could never get it. And a couple of years ago, I took my uh, T20 and cambered the heck out of the sole, made it match uh, an older wedge that I had and reduced the bounce a little bit, a little bit out of the heel. I'm just talking not like crazy. It doesn't look like anything completely out of the ordinary, but just those little changes allow me to make it more functional around the green. And that's where I think, you know, we're sitting at different ends of the spectrum is how we like to play different shots. And I think for those who are curious, if it is a 60, a 56 or a sand wedge or whatever, like whatever loft that is, or your, or your gap wedge, really focus on what those options are and how you like to use them. Because I think how you like to play those shots is going to affect how the end result goes into your bag. And that leads into gapping, which is the next thing I want to talk about because a set that you just put together, which I'm excited to hear you talk about is the new 14 blades. Now, those who are curious, this was a very limited run. Um, We were lucky to snag a set at TXG. So talk us through those Mike, because you built them and they're pretty unique as far as the loft perspective goes.
1: Yeah, I will start by saying maybe one of the nicest blades I have seen in a little while uh, for being super strong loft. And now you don't get this very often, a strong loft with no offset blade, very small head, um, S20C, carbon, really, really nice material. Um, you know, it, it's one of it's 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 an anomaly almost um you know the pitching wedge loft is I'm trying to think what with the pitching wedge off 42 the 6 iron was 26 the 7 iron's 30 um Ian's put them in the bag right now he's got dynamic gold tour issue 120 x 100s all around d4 swing weight um with uh, lampkin genesis full cord grips on them standard length 37 and a half off the 6 um, you know, really clean set head weights were okay. There's a couple slugs in some of the hosels, but, um, the swing weights were, were tight. The head weights were really good. And like you said, RB, it's a limited, limited run of clubs. I think they're from what I heard from them this weekend, they're trying to run another, another limited run with them. Again, it's very, very hard. The process takes a long time to build them. So, um very lucky to get a set in and, and hopefully they don't last too long in Ian's bag. So I can at least borrow them for a weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I took a look at them. I know you had posted on them posted about them on our social, you had shared it, reshared it to our social, which I think is really cool. And there's something, cause to your point, like a lot of Japanese clubs generally have like a little bit of offset. They can have a higher heel shape to them. So the gate or the, uh, you know, pardon the term but it is like the crotch and we're like from the hosel to the top line that that thing that piece there that design element is the crotch of the of the hosel to the top line transition and a lot of times it can look a little funky but gosh they are they are a clean looking set they're they're square but rounded you know it's like this it kind of fits into this, this unique space of being a strong lofted blade uh the only thing that i can think of that um i've seen similar and is is a set again very strong lofted we're talking i think to your point the the set that i have might have a 25 or 27 degree 6 iron is uh, uh the Vega Mizar tours uh, they are a two piece forged iron so the hosel in the back or one piece and the face is forged on or sorry welded on but it's a soft piece it's not like a springy uh design at all and they go gap wedge to four iron, but the four iron is like 19 degrees and the gap wedge, I think, is like 49. Like the thing is strong as might even be 46 in the gap wedge for goodness sake. Like it's basically a three pitching wedge set. But they don't have a lot of offset, but they're the top line is thicker because of the design of it. And I like the blade. I think it's a really cool golf so There's a little bit of tech and tungsten and the long irons. But the cool thing for those who, if you're gonna t- so check it out, Mike's Instagram, uh Mike TXG, right? Yep, nice and simple. So they have this cool thing where the muscle kind of transitions. So it's thinner on the heel side, but there's like this thicker pad higher on the toe, which a lot of people can miss towards, but it still looks like the top line to me was like the most impressive element of that golf club.
1: hundred percent, 100%. I I just, I think, um, when more people get their hands on and I hope they do make these a little bit more, um, you know attainable for for the public to see um in in studios like you know txg i think they'll they'll look at it and go wow this is this is an iron that i really i I don't want to say this but i feel like it's an iron that none of us have really seen it, it's rare it's a rare find and and i think they're you know you know from the readings that they sent me you know give a player that wants to play blades that might not hit blades very far um, give them the distance they want with the with the, with the the shape of and kind of clean lines like we go back to, like we were talking earlier. Um, you know, we'll use an example. I ordered a set of P7TWs. Um, I will definitely use them. I will definitely shaft them up. Um, but I know I, I'm playing them stock Tiger, tiger lofts, which are not going to help me whatsoever um, with the pitching wedge being was a pitching 50 degrees on those or something like that? Um, you know, the, I'm not going to hit the ball far, but I, it's going to look good. Now, it, it with these new blade irons from 14, you're going to look good and also hit it the distance you want. I mean, Ian Ian's always been struggling to hit his pitching, which kind of around that 138 to 140 number. He's always hit it kind of 133, 135, never really the number he's wanted. Um, and we did him and I did a gapping session a couple of weeks ago and. Um, you could really see there was like 18 yards between his pitching wedge and, and his nine iron. And this set gives him the perfect distance. And and now he can slot enough, you know, I think a 48 degree Vokey into his bag to, to clean up the gaps.
0: Yeah. Cause you, you can't just bend an iron strong or well, you can, but then you, you add offset, which for a lot of players, they don't want to see that. And then for a faster or steeper player, next thing you know, you've also reduced bounce. And so you've you've taken a club that actually works quite well. And although you might hit the distance you're looking for because of the stronger loft, you're not really achieving your goal because it's a club you don't want to look at.
1: 1,000%.
0: Which to me is like the biggest element of like, you know, too much to your point. And I think they are, um, I think generally, um, in the Asian market for a lot of golfers, you see stronger loft of golf clubs is more in the game improvement section. So mm-hmm. to see that, Cause I mean, I've seen, there was a, I can't, I think it was Vega as well. They made a, they made a set. And I think the pitching wedge is like 40. <laughs> and yeah. I talked to the guy, I was like, these sell really well, don't they? he's like, honestly, man, people just want to like be able to pull a seven iron that goes 150 yards. And we're talking like slower swing speed or like average swing speed players. <laughs> and you know, who doesn't, it's like you put a, you put a turbocharger in a Honda Civic, right? You want to see that car go a little bit faster, you're not doing that. You're actually literally increasing ball speed by loft. And then you're really lowering the center of gravity to get that height out of it still. So there is this functional purpose and credit to uh, Tony Covey. He wrote about this with the new Cobra irons. I know we will be testing soon. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a great line. It's a fascinating line from uh, his little piece on the intro, these golf clubs. And he said, you know, the loft is going to be the loft and it functions different for different players. And just like lie angle, Plays a massive role in a fitting, there's no reason loft can't either. So don't just look at the specs and say, oh, they're loft jacked. Cause yes, in a lot of cases they are, but they're designed to have a very specific goal for the end player. And I think that's where it's important, where we're sitting here having this conversation about strong lofts. But, you know, from for Ian's perspective, for example, right? He's the player that's really testing these right now. There's nothing wrong with having a golf club that fits the gap that you're looking for. Cause at the end of the day, all you're looking for on the golf course is to be able to pull a club and know the distance that it's going to go.
1: yep I agree
0: so last but not least we are called the build shop Mike you talked about putting a couple things together other than Ian's irons or the 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 new 14s that he's been testing what what's you got some interesting builds that are on the bench because I'm gonna I'm gonna shed some light on some stuff that I've been doing but also you know we're gonna be testing on the channel pretty soon
1: yeah I've uh and I'm pretty sure this customer is a listener but I built a um one of the guys in new york i i fit him for uh, a cobra ltd xls driver and um for those of you who are listening that have not tested the cobra ltd xls or the cobra ltd line do yourself a favor and go go try it it's uh it's a pretty pretty impressive what they've got going on this year but um through our friends at club champion um through their vault my customer wanted the all black cobra ltd xls driver so i got one of those uh, shipped up the other day for me for my customer and we built that with uh, uh the new ventus tr6x Um kind of around d3 and a ish swing weight uh 10 gram weight in the toe minus one degree aloft the thing sits absolutely perfect um really really excited to uh actually i might post that one tonight on ig we'll see we'll see what happens
0: nice have you uh how is how is the cobras for length? That's a curious one. Like, what are you building that to 45, 45 and a half? What what's your typical driver length? And are the head right weights now, any different from that versus some of the others on the market?
1: Yeah, most of us is most of our stuff is 45 inches. Uh our demos play uh 45 and a quarter. Uh, we build everything to 45 depending on the fitter.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, that's I was just curious on that because I know only because like head weights vary from OEM. Like, so you see a lot of people ask, like, Calories generally a little bit lighter. Pings are a little bit heavier, and kind of everyone else kind of fits in between. Um, what about yourself? Mike, anything, anything for the personal? Getting ready for that Saturday
1: round. I've uh, I built a new uh, Diamante TB6S um, for my driver. Um, I'm going to play the Cobra LTDX LS head as well. I actually do have one of the black Cobra LTDX LS heads coming for myself. Um, hopefully that arrives this week. Uh, but I've I've actually got the TB um right now set at 45 and a half inches. And I normally don't like playing anything too long. So I'm gonna hit a couple drives uh before Saturday and see what we uh what we take out. But I'll definitely if my head doesn't come in, I'll be stealing a demo out of the out of the Matrix <laughs> for the weekend. So um I'll definitely be toying around with that. But I'm excited to kind of finalize the golf bag. Hopefully, my my new wedges arrive uh again like we said last week um you know planning a trip to get down to texas to see mike and the boys at artisan and and him and i've been chatting about ordering up new wedges for myself um geez for over a year but he's extremely busy so um yeah i'm excited to get my wedges hopefully get this uh this betnardi putter in the bag I don't know who knows when that's coming, but hopefully soon and, and get the bag dialed uh, for this year. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited where my equipment's at. I have too much equipment right now, but I'm excited to get the bag finally dialed in.
0: Yeah. I think, I think for for people in our position and we are thankful for, for the position that we are in to be able to test a lot of different things. And it doesn't mean we, we keep all of it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's at the shop that we get to test, which we're always really excited for. Um, is to get the bag set. I know for myself, as I, I mentioned today on the live, I was going through, I was putting everything together and I finally like synced up all the Arcos up to my up to the app. And I was looking at my old stats from last year and I was thinking about the speed training over the winter and really what it's going to lead to. And I'm like super excited to really get out and play. I know the snow to bring it back to the beginning. Been a real pain again to think that you know we're almost towards the end of April and we're getting more snow again. But you know I know the course are going to be open. I'm really excited. And from a testing perspective, my bag is mostly set. Uh, I have, you know, and shout out if you are listening, our Pinehurst winners, uh, Corey and uh, sorry, uh, Corey and Michael. They are uh, all your stuff is in, Corey. You should be expecting your your stuff this week, hopefully. Uh, it is all in and getting shipped out very soon. And for Michael, I got, uh, I got your clubs on my bench. So don't worry. I've taken the stress off the builders in, in the build shop there. Cause I know they're very, very busy. So I've taken that on as a personal project. So that's going to be really cool. And then the only other thing that I'm building right now, and I know they've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of buzz so far on, on social. They are a, they're a very much a smaller brand, but I would say that they're, they're following because of the culture that they create around their clubs has been very popular I've got the new sub 70 irons, the blades, the cavity backs, and the the tour cavities, they call them, I believe it is. So it's a little, got a little bit of an undercut to it. I've got those. They're all ready. They're going to get built hopefully this week. And we're going to see them on the channel within the next, hopefully month. I know we got a lot of stuff lined up, but uh, I'm excited to build those. I've never, I've never built anything sub 70. So as a, as a club junkie, as a nerd, I'm just excited to see what those are, how those put together. They did send all the components. I told them I would take care of it because again, like everybody else, they're very busy. So I wanted to take the onus of putting those together myself and because I'm a, I'm a serious club chunky and I'm a nerd and uh, I wanted to try, <laughs> I wanted to see what it was like actually putting this stuff together. So those will show up on the channel pretty soon. You'll probably see them flash on my, on my social sometime this week as I, as I put them up, getting them ready. So that's the, that's the build shop for this week. Finish up talking starting snow, talking snow. Man, I just want to play, Mike. I just really want to play. And uh hopefully we're gonna be able to get do that soon.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I'm excited to uh I'm excited to get to the golf course. I uh like I said, the uh you know, we got teased uh on on Good Friday here. Our our driving range opened and it was good to see some familiar faces and enjoy a drink at the club and and i was like man i'm i'm ready for this golf season to just hit me like a train because uh i'm just i can't wait to get to the golf course